There was this one night in the hospital when it was very touch and go with Tony. Mm -hmm. He came out of the coma for a minute and he said, who am I, where am I going? You know, at the time, I didn't know what he meant. Coming here, I feel the same way. Isn't that odd? Let me get a picture. Yes, let's get a picture indeed. Welcome, my friends, to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every episode of The Sopranos. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 76 episodes of The Sopranos. Most recently is the 11th episode of Season 6, entitled Cold Stones. And uh, obviously, we're talking about the cold stones you come face to face with in Paris. Or are there other stones involved? That's, we'll, we'll just have to discuss it and see, won't we? Who put this episode together, Jim? I thought it was cold stone ice cream. Do you guys have cold stone ice cream? No, that's why I thought it was statues. That makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> I don't think it was Cold Stone Ice Cream either, though. Uh, this one was written by Diane Froloff, Andrew Schneider, and, of course, David Chase, our Lord and Savior. Uh, Diane Froloff and Andrew Schneider, they did also previously work on the episodes Johnny Cakes and The Fleshy Part of the Thigh. Um, I believe they're, they're writing partners, maybe married, who knows. But they've worked on a bunch of other shows, Boardwalk Empire, Boss, Chicago Med. Um, and then this episode was directed by Tim Van Patten, a Sopranos mainstay. Mm. And this is the penultimate episode of season six, at part one, I suppose. I think so, at least, because I think there's 12 in the first pack yes. here. Am I right? Yeah, I believe you are correct. So, yeah, we do mm. got one more in this batch of season six A or season six, part one, however you want to put it. I'd say arguably it's got a leading up to the finale type vibe, though we have seen even more dramatic things happen in, in penultimate episodes uh, of bygone days. But uh, let's just get into it. Let's get started here. Um, first part of the episode, Tony comes home and finds out that AJ's lost his job. <laughs> and I feel like this is the most predictable thing that's ever happened on The Sopranos, but it also feels like I've seen this scene before. I'm, I think in my mind I'm confusing it with, like, when he's in the hospital and he's flunked out of school and all these other... Like, every scene with AJ almost is Carmela yelling at him, and it's such a good classic way to start. Yes, yeah, and I, I don't mean to sidetrack it real quick, but I forget if I've brought this up on this show or not, but I don't like when people call it The Sopranos instead of the Sopranos. I just want to put okay. that out there. <laughs> so don't call it the Sopranos, okay? It's called the Sopranos, right? Am I Did right? I, I think you're right. Did I call it the Sopranos? Oh, no, 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 not you. No, you say it correctly. But it, I just, for whatever reason, it popped in my head. I've heard people say like, oh, did you see, have you ever watched the the Sopranos? Have you ever seen right. the Sopranos? And, and, and I don't even think on the show they say it that way. So, Sopranos. I mean, maybe they do if it's like some sort of Metagon uh, trying to come in and think they know what's what. But I'm sorry, that's fleet sidetrack. I just want to put it out there in case I hadn't before. But you are correct. Uh, I like that this scene just kind of drops in in the middle because we're like Tony because Tony's walking in. It's framed nice too because, you know, uh, Tony's in the background as he's just entering the house and Carmela's already in the midst of yelling at AJ and he's got a little sour puss on his face. And yeah, to no one's surprise, he was fired from Blockbuster, but he also kept it a secret, I guess. He was pretending to go to work because she yeah, went which in. Is, uh, which ahead. is that stereotype <laughs> of like classic working class man loses his job and hides it from his wife, except he's just a piece of shit. Um, and yeah, he was stealing stuff too and like selling cardboard stand ups of oh, Wallace and Gromit or yes, some shit. Yeah. Also great and classic. And it's be and he does his genuine weaseling that he always does saying it's you know i care about the environment you want these things to just be thrown away way better to sell them on <laughs> right uh someone who, who will enjoy them um i agree it is the the sopranos and it's vitamins so we're all on board here <laughs> yeah. and aj's a piece of shit uh and there I, you go. I, and he starts talking he, sorry to cut you okay, off i'm yeah. just gonna say he he uh, throws out that it's 500 bottles uh, for uh, <laughs> well, 500 for a bottle of Cristal yeah. at the fancy clubs, and it's two bottle minimum. But he, that's kind of a mistake because they're like, "What? You spend a thousand? And he's like, <laughs> "What? No, not not every night." <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, we switch off. Uh, well, yeah, because I think Carmela mentions that she went to Blockbuster to rent Cinderella Man, 
and uh, there's like a you know comedic little back and forth where she's like, do you know what I found out or something? And he's like, it's still a classic. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. now she found out that AJ was fired. And it is it also is one of those double edged swords for uh, Tony and Carmela because. AJ, by selling off promo items like that, that's a very Tony Soprano move in a weird way. So yeah. you have to feel like a part of Tony would be maybe a little impressed uh, that, you know, he's he's thinking like an entrepreneur, like a gangster. Um, and, yeah, I love that because especially here in the States, you know, there's a lot of discussion on income inequality and you know being paid a livable wage and he almost has that argument where he's like you know i can't live off what they pay me and but then he goes his rationale is because he you know how much vip bottles at the club cost cristal and there's two bottle minimum uh yeah and then it's great because when when the scene ends because like tony kind of gives his thoughts too and of course tony's a bit more stern and then as he walks away, AJ gives him the old flip off behind his back. Oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> it's perfect. It is. Um, so this sort of continues in the next scene where Carmela's awake. Tony's asleep, uh, but she kind of wants to talk about how, uh, you know, there's something something dead in him or whatever she says. It's kind of dramatic. Uh, but Tony just says he's spoiled, you know, and whatever. They fucked it up. But she says, no. He grew up with loads of spoiled children, and most of them are in, like, Ivy League schools now, and he's got this fuck you in him. And then right as they're in the middle of this, Car uh, uh, Meadow comes in and reveals that they're going. she's moving to California. Yeah. And I love that Tony's like, but I thought you were having problems. And, he's, <laughs> and she's like, I never said that. Yeah, it's great because it's much like how AJ always does that too. Where yeah. they bring up something he did, and he's like, "No, that's not what I said." Uh, but yeah, she's gonna follow Finn to California because, you know, they are having problems and they just make bad decisions all the time uh, as far as their relationships concerned. And yet another thing for poor Carmilla, because even though these kids are of age and somewhat out of the house, it's. You know, it's very TV situation the way they are back, but also it's very plausible as well because, you know, even Meadow as a smart, you know, capable woman, like they're still, they're, they're still both a little spoiled. That's why she's always coming back and, and having like meals made for her and her laundry done. And I guess from what I've gleaned this episode, I don't know if they outright said it, like she's been living in the pool house, I, I, I imagine, like throughout this season. All right. Oh, yeah, I guess I part of it that. is because, you know, Tony was going through some stuff. I mean, he almost died and, you know, I'm sure there was help around the house, but then probably get back in that arrested development, getting used to having everything done for you, even when you're still trying to be a lawyer or whatever she's doing. But now we're getting yeah. into more like, I guess, empty nest, uh, maybe even not, not just empty nest, but just like Carm can't deal with this. And I, I kind of don't blame her. Yeah, and Tony is, uh, he just wants to go to sleep throughout yeah. the scene, yeah. uh, even with all these revelations. Um, interestingly, it, it's revealed that AJ is eavesdropping, yeah. and it doesn't seem that important. Uh, but then, I guess maybe he heard the bits about himself, but I don't know, I can't really read if that's supposed to be the case. He's kind of there just when she's talking about whether Meadow's talking about if she's going to go to law school or medical school, and she can't decide, and, and he's kind of there listening outside. I feel like it doesn't really add much to see him listening in, other than he, I guess, despite his feigned indifference, he still wants to be kind of engaged with the family or something. Yeah, and I guess it, you know, you'd like to think that at least what he's picking up from it is that like, oh, you know, I got fired from Blockbuster and I can make these big speeches about how I, it's because of I have, you know, I have standards or principles or something. But I mean, Meadow is a glowing example of what a fuck up he is. And I'm sure he already does think of himself as a fuck up, even though he does get to hang out at the clubs and he gets whatever he wants. Like, even a piece of shit still feels like a piece of shit, you know? And I think it's just a nice, uh, you know, opposite of, uh, like an opposite for him to see and, you know, at least show a moment of inside like that. He kind of knows he's full of shit and he really has nothing going on. Not yeah. that it really pays off anything here, but I, I don't know. I think it's just like a little character moment, at least if you want to have some hope for him as a person that maybe he can learn something from this, but we'll see. 
Yeah. Um, so we have Tony and Phil Leotardo having a little meeting in like a warehouse of some sort. I think they're, um, they're in a Costco. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get I, Costco's bro. Like, look how great that is. Just, you know, stacks and stacks of, uh, surplus product. Yeah, I just watched a, a, a one of them video essays with fun graphics telling you all about how Costco works and, and what it is and how it's different from Amazon. So I totally understand this, which is something I would not have gotten otherwise. I'd just like, Costco? Okay. Uh, it just looks like a big warehouse to me, but I guess yeah. that's how you psychologically entice people into thinking they're making bargains while the subscription fee is the real thing that keeps your business afloat. But what do I know, Jim? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. So, yeah, and they're talking about... Um... The vitamins? Yes, they are. Yeah, it's come, it's come back up again. Yet again, the vitamins. Yes. Um, but more importantly, they're talking about some, some no-show jobs, which we know by now what those are. don't know which construction project it is, but either way, um, Johnny Sack is... Uh, sorry, fuck. Phil Leotardo uh, yes. is like, uh, you know, who is the boss anyway? Yeah. <laughs> so difficult to keep track of. What am I, an FBI agent? Can't even keep the family tree straight? Um, so... They're, they're, the no-show jobs are actual no-shows now at the moment, uh, is what he's saying. Yeah. So kind of putting his putting a bit of pressure on Tony, I guess. Yeah, and I guess it's kind of is showing that, like, you know, John was the best option as far as Tony's concerned. And even though it seemed like Phil and Tony had more of, a, like, a friendly back and forth, now that Phil is essentially, like, the Tony role of being the boss while someone else is taking the heat for it, uh, Phil's going to kind of show his disrespect for the New Jersey glorified crew by, you know, he's squeezing them out some of the, some of the gigs here. And I mean, I'm sure there's like some legit stuff to what he's talking about where like some of the, just in general, handing out the amount of jobs is less than it was, but of course, it, it just does show that Tony's not going to be a priority as far as Phil's concerned. Uh, yep. and it's just another thing he's going to have to deal with. Yeah, and another thing he has to deal with continuing from before is Carmilla coming in, talking about you're always, you never listen to what I say. I told you about Paris. We were talking about it right here, um, but he doesn't remember. But it's a silent auction, I guess, that she she just paid for some trips to Paris she wasn't going to use, which is sounds like a great med school type <laughs> problem, like what yeah, the fuck? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, so she says she thinks she should go. And I feel like Tony... Uh, do you think I don't I'm not sure Tony would have said yes if not for the earlier scenes and I guess last week uh too when he was all annoyed about everything she's doing like uh is this for her benefit or for his own that he says you deserve this trip Yeah and I think it's also like I mean this whole season's been about chipping away at Tony Soprano's new lease on life about how every day's a gift and how you know, we saw a couple episodes back that he had an opportunity to cheat on Carmela and he didn't, and he was kind of mad at her for it. And I, I do think he, he does see it as a relief, something good for Carmela. But I mean, as we see through the episode, he also gives him an opportunity to be up to his old his old antics. And I think that's yeah. what's so important about this episode is like, I think we're finally, you know, the world won. Tony is going to be back to Tony. And that's kind of what... That goes through this whole hour here. Yeah, and it's even brought up, I I think, in, like, therapy or whatever, that, like... Or, no, she even says it here. Carmilla says, like, you do whatever boys do when, you know, their wives are out of town or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, all right. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, most important thing about this scene is the ending. <laughs> yes. When he calls her yes. back to look at some footage of the Nazis marching into France. And she's kind of like, uh. and the look on her face as she walks away is just uh. genius. And it works so well because they always watch all the weird black and white stuff on uh. the show. And he's just like, look, Paris, like where you're going. <laughs> and I think he genuinely means it as a positive thing. And he's, she's like, uh, all right. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. He's like, oh, hey, you know, speak of the devil. And it's like, yeah, the Nazis <laughs> marching through. And yeah, her reaction and her, the look on her face is so great. Um, and I, going into this too, like, I actually, I haven't read the chapters on this episode in the Sopranos session, but I was reading some of the initial just uh, season six breakdowns, like when they're talking to David Chase. And I think 
Karim's trip to Paris gets brought up a lot as like a negative thing, as like, a, oh, why'd they do this? And I guess maybe in the in the realm of thinking like, oh shit, it's the episode before the finale. What's gonna happen? And we spend this time with Carmilla and Roe in Paris. But I I I really liked it. Um, I don't know if it's just because I've traveled internationally recently, but I related to a lot Ooh of la it. la, Jim. <laughs> Ooh <laughs> la la. Continue. I related to a lot of it, and I liked what it said about Carm's character. But I mean, I guess we'll get into that a bit more. But. I was kind of surprised because going in, I was thinking like, oh, yeah, this is kind of a thing people talk about as like shitty. But uh, mm. I, I thought it was very good. I'm not surprised people say that, but I do disagree with them. And I agree with you, Jim, yeah. um, because there's I, it kind of reminded me of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel just to. Uh, we did miss last week, but this is our <laughs> contractual obligation to mention Amy Sherman Palladino in every episode. Yes. Uh, but in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, season two, by the way, keep an eye on Maisel, men, coming soon as we discuss uh, uh, season three coming up here of uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Anyway, they go to Paris is the thing. So that's yes. how I connected it. But more importantly, they go to Paris and it's like going on for episodes and episodes. And I was kind of thinking of other shows where, you know, you have one episode where you go to a place and the episode is all about that. And I could see if this whole episode was like the Paris episode, I get where you're coming from. You know, it's a bit of an interruption. It might disturb the flow, but there's a lot of other stuff going on. And I think all the stuff with Carmela and France, like you said, even though it's a bit hoity-toity, la-di-da, it captures the feeling of going somewhere else. Yeah. And especially when he, she later describes, like, seeing these places that have only, like, existed in pictures for her before. Like, that was my experience going to New York, going to where The Sopranos is partially set, of seeing all of these buildings that I've seen blow up in a million films. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, they're still here. <laughs> you know, it's like a weird thing. And it's full of people just living their lives. It's not a film just because I go to this other place. And we get to see some of that. And I think all of that is relevant I mean, granted, it's France, not Italy, but it's still a lot about, like, the old world and the new world and, like, all these many, many years of people living here. And I find it all very relevant. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Uh, we have Tony just kind of hanging out. I don't know if it's at, like, a mall, a coffee shop or something. He's reading the paper, and then Vito shows up. And, uh, yeah, I guess going back to what you were talking about in the last episode, it is kind of like... Dude, what are you doing, Vito? But I guess he kind of feels like he has a plan. Like he's going to get back in, but then be uh, out of sight, out of mind. He's going to be, he's talking about being in Atlantic City or something. But it does seem like like a very boneheaded move doing this. But I guess he kind of, yeah. to him, he has no choice. Uh, he does point out that his brother's there. And I believe that's the guy we saw get uh cracked in the skull by mustang sally in that episode uh seasons ago back in like i think season three when like i have Jackie no Jr. memory of around. this at all but okay <laughs> remember it was the guy he um was arguing with his girlfriend and then his girlfriend was like trying to get away and asked him like can you give me a ride somewhere and then her, he went into his car took a pipe out and just smashed him in the head and it was like a big thing oh, yeah. and then they got bobby's father to do the hit all that stuff mm. but yeah right, that okay. that's that guy uh, so, and I do want to call that out because the actor that played Mustang Sally, who also, uh, I mean, I know you already brought up Mrs. Maisel and Gilmore Girls, but he also, uh, was on both of those shows. He did pass away, um, recently. So, hmm. uh, poor Salvatore and Teal. Uh, well, no, that's his actual character name. <laughs> that's not his fucking name. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Such a heartfelt My moment fault. there. Yeah, him. Jesus. Uh, no, Brian uh, Tarantino. Uh, he he did pass away recently, but he's a great character actor. I mean, even if you're not seeing his face right now as I'm describing it, if you Google him real quick, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy in a bunch of stuff, uh, and he was mm. always good. I see. Okay. Uh, well, very good. I just thought we see Vito's brother, and he just looks like kind of a <laughs> yeah. weird copy of Vito, but like a little bit more stupid. Because uh, yeah, he's great. bald, and, and he's got a weird balding uh, yeah. head. Makes him look dumber. You, you gotta say Vito is pretty dumb on his own, though, because he's, like you said, he's got this plan, and his plan is to say that he was never gay. It was just the meds messing with uh, his head. Yes. Like, yeah. and to be fair, Tony doesn't want to deal with this shit. Tony doesn't give a shit. And Vito's smart enough to say, look, I, I know I can't work construction, but I could be out of sight, out of mind. Here's a bunch of money. I could get you more money. And so in a way, it makes sense. But he should know. He should know better. And 
yeah, he just doesn't, and he just kind of hangs around. I'm like, what was the point of shooting that other guy when he's just going to show up anyway? Like, True. he's keeping it secret, but he's basically just there. And I feel in retrospect, this is jumping ahead, but when he does get killed, I almost feel like it cheapens the moment where he kills the guy in the previous episode because it's kind of there for us to not feel bad for him, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, no, in a way, it's, it's like, yeah, all these characters are pieces of shit and we love showing that, but it's also like we throw in an extra murder just to make sure you're not too sympathetic to this guy, kind of giving us permission to uh, be okay with the way he dies or something like that. I don't know. It, it was just, it all kind of does make sense, but I mean, it's such a boneheaded move from him. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I mean, that is kind of what I was saying before is that uh, it is a reminder that he's he's a piece of shit, but doesn't mean he, he deserves what he got. But I guess that's also kind of the point. It's like, it's almost like him killing that guy, but then if he just got shot in the head, you could like totally not feel bad for him. But I think as we see, because it's not like it's like he gets killed, but the episode keeps going. And we see in a weird way that even like, Besides it being an insult to the Soprano family, I don't think any anyone there thought he deserved what he ended up getting. But we'll get there. Uh, yeah. We cut back to to the uh, they're at the Bing, and there went. I I think Chris says that like he was stalking you, like Vito was stalking you. T. Um, they bring yeah, and Silvio's like that's a thing with the gays. <laughs> <laughs> they Look bring it in up... the closet, makes him devious. <laughs> they say something here about Richie Aprile. And that he disowned, did they say like that he disowned his son? But I don't remember that being a, th- I remember it was like, wasn't he surprisingly progressive? Or maybe, I don't remember him. maybe it wasn't so know. much that they stated that Richie April's son was gay. Because remember, we, we only saw him when he was dancing in the empty house. Because remember they had that scene, it opens on an episode and then we see an, an empty, huge house. And then people are like ballroom dancing through it. And then we find out it's Richie's son. But I don't remember him being like that. Uh, uh, although I guess he did Against punch the... he did punch Janice for bringing it up, didn't he? So yeah, I guess he wasn't that progressive. <laughs> he punched her in the <laughs> face, I think, because she brought up something about his son. So yeah, not super progressive there, punching his uh, <laughs> yeah. his woman. Uh, I don't remember that either. I have to admit, uh, I'm gonna have well, to do a Sopranos sit down myself yes. and rewatch the Sopranos. It sounds like well, after we finish this. Yeah, and I was actually talking about this recently because keep in mind we've been. We've been living with, like, this whole, like, what has it been, like, two years we've been doing the show or something? Something crazy it's like coming that? coming up on two years, yeah. Uh, and we've just been living with The Sopranos. Like, it's not like we've binged it and then gone back to be like, oh, yeah, we got to discuss this episode. We've been just watching the episodes as we're about to discuss it. So I think it keeps it still fresh in our heads, but also, like, yeah, that was, you know, a year ago when we watched that one, and so much has happened since then. So maybe some of the specifics get washed away a little bit i think it's legitimately more than a year ago and i think if you're watching a show live you're also kind of like moments stick out to you obviously but a lot of it becomes a bit of a blur and that's why uh our podcast is so valuable for everyone at home because you get to see the little moments and the big moments and how they relate and build to one another god we're great (laughs) yeah we are (laughs) um Uh but yeah, Richie disowned his son. It's a hilarious line because he's like, say what you will about him, but he did the right thing. He disowned <laughs> <Yeah>. his son. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, Tony's just kind of annoyed because, yeah, the situation's back. I mean, I guess he thought he was he was uh, out. Um, I forget Paulie's read here because he just kind of doesn't say anything and like walks away. But I don't remember like what he walks out on. Uh... Yeah, I don't really remember either. I think maybe I thought of it as like him i don't know because i think uh tony's like fuck phil you know uh he only cares about his rep and he that's why he wants Vito gone and that's when phil leaves so maybe phil or polly i'm I'm doing this a lot yeah Yeah. polly uh (laughs) polly leaves and i guess you could read it a bit like polly would usually fill that silence with something but he's choosing not to do that. And the fact that he's not speaking out is kind of more worrying than if he's there yelling about what he thinks should happen, you know? So maybe that's a read like a rumbling of like, if you let Vito go through with this, maybe there'll be an even bigger problem than you want there to be or whatever. Because I don't think Polly is very progressive. Or maybe Polly's getting a little piece of the Tony lease on life now that he's dealing with cancer and stuff like that, where it's not... Like, maybe he's not the most accepting of homosexuals, but he's kind of like, ah, who gives a fuck at this point? I got cancer. 
Uh, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, Carmela's going on her trip. Tony gives her uh, like a nice new like Louis bag or something, but it's got a bunch of cash in it, of course. Um, mm-hmm. She kind of, she even like does feel guilty that she's going on this trip, but Tony's encouraging her, you know, she deserves this. And yeah, it's kind of a sweet moment. And of course he has to give her lots of cash and money because that's part of what the relationship is based on. Yeah. And like it's, he gives her all this money and then she reminds him of when he was in a coma and she told him uh, that she loves her. Oh, yes. And so that's really sweet. Yep. But <laughs> but she's kind of having a real moment and she's like, I should tell you more often. And he's like, nobody's stopping you. And he just walks out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we have yeah, Vito with his family in New York. Um which, yeah, New York, not a great... I mean, I guess he's in, like, fucking... He's by uh, Rockefeller Center. He's by 30 Rock because he's by the ice skating rink. So he is mm-hmm. in public. But still, that's that's Phil's territory. Uh, but he's with his family, what, telling his kids that he's, you know, a spy working deep undercover. I mean, the fucking tales this guy comes up with. He's good on, a, uh, like on the fly, like, coming up with a story, but they're always, like, insane stories. <laughs> Yeah, well, the CIA doesn't tell you when you need to go next, so it's just uh, it's. I'll be safe as long as you don't tell anyone where I am, and this uh, this won't fuck you up later. Don't worry, yeah. uh, none of this is gonna be something you're gonna talk about with your Melfi later. Yeah, um, they swear to keep it secret. <laughs> yeah, um, and then what uh, does Vito Vito calls Jim? It's well, first he talks to uh, his wife. They're still at the rink. Yeah, and um, she wants him to do the therapy or whatever to get over this thing. And he says, oh, I was never gay. You know, I hit my uh, medicine, whatever. And then he goes and calls Johnny Cakes. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Johnny Cakes is just kind of like, yeah, no, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> you know, you can't <laughs> you can't live without the life, which is which is true and basically ends with, uh, you know, hey, don't I don't want to hear your voice. Don't ever call me. Um, yeah, it just kind of feels like... Uh, even committing to this terrible plan, he still needs to call. Like he, he can't live without the mob life, but now he also can't live without his love, Johnny Cakes. Like, make up your mind one way or another. Even if it's a stupid thing, it's like I didn't see anything to incite him calling uh, Johnny Cakes. I guess maybe his wife asking about the therapy is the thing that makes him call. But it just kind of feels like, where is he now? Is he in a, in, a, in this motel room again? I guess. Yeah. Uh, so you know, whatever. Uh, we quick shot a Carmen Row. They're now in Paris. And I was almost half expecting them to have like a poly type experience where, you know, you're all excited to go to a new country and then it just kind of sours you on, <laughs> sours you yeah. on it. Maybe it's because I was in, I was in France for a brief day, but, uh, yeah, I d- didn't like the people there. Uh, typical American, not having fun. Uh, but yeah, the, just quick thing, you know, kind of the old in the cab, Seeing the seeing the sights as you initially touch down, uh, then we have Vito uh, in a grocery store meeting up with another guy who asks him to float him some money, uh, twenty thousand for what is he's got child support or a divorce he's going through, and I guess to Vito, well, hey, I mean it's like I'm back in business, uh, mm. but as we see, this is maybe just a genius. This is just a genius ploy, like understanding that, well, Vito's not going to be in the picture much longer. Uh, I should get some money from him because then I won't have to pay it back. Yeah, I'm kind of like, who's this guy? This guy knows how to play the game. Let's make him a capo. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Then we have another clandestine meeting by the Lou Costello statue, which we've seen before, and we thought it was like a rifle or whatever, but it's a baseball bat. Um, and yeah, the whole, this whole scene is just Phil going like, he's back, he's back. And Tony's like, fuck you, fuck you. And then they go their separate ways, basically. Yeah. We got to take care of this Fanuke. Um, Mm. and you just being Phil and Tony doesn't want to hear about any of this shit. Uh, so yeah, you know, the, the, before it was just business dealings with the no show jobs. Now Vito's back in the picture. So Phil and Tony are not on the, on the best terms. Yes, but this is enough at least because Tony's definitely considering it beforehand and we have some scene in, scenes in France in between, but he does go later to just tell Silvio, like, it's off. Like, you got to pick your battles with yeah. with Phil, like, and he really wants this and, like, fuck it. And he expresses something that I think we all uh, feel. It's like, why couldn't he just stay wherever the fuck he went? Like, now I have to do this. Fuck 
fuck it. Um, but yeah, as it turns out, he doesn't have to do it. But doesn't he also say like something like, you know, why couldn't he have like done this in secret? And then oh, yeah. Sills like, well, he was, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but better in secret, Jim. Yeah, why couldn't even better about it? Why couldn't I be a bumbling fool? Uh, yeah. And yeah, the other scenes were just kind of like, you know, uh, Carmen Rowe, like, you know, just like, ah, oh, we can smoke in a restaurant. Ah, oh, listen to the French language. And, you know, they're trying to trying to understand the I, I I did go to Tokyo and you have a lot of those moments where they're just speaking Japanese to you and you're just like oh yeah you're just like nodding your head and then you point at a picture because like I have no idea what the fuck you're saying bro all right <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> and I I think I I had the same thought as you that they might like have a not great experience because the first scene in the cab is like French hip hop's blaring. It's oh, yeah. kind of desaturated out the window. You can't like it's not like in the pictures or whatever. But then as soon as they're in like the the cafe or wherever, they're just like, "Oh, I love you can smoke here. We're wearing cool hats and here and over here in French, going like, oh, I just love the sound of it. Who gives a shit what they're saying?'" Um, so in general, they're talking about no one knows us here, and uh, Carmela does speak French a little bit, but she yeah. doesn't do it. Um, and then they are having a, a this moment of like running around trying to get to things, um, which I think happens to most people on a holiday somewhere new. And the, it, like I said, it captures a lot of the things you experience if you travel really well. But like she's running around looking in nose in a guidebook and then like stops and like, oh, my God, and just looks around yeah. and like is surrounded by all this art and all this super French shit. So <laughs> they're, they're, they have a real moment there. Yeah, it's a really nice moment because, yeah, they're like, we're going the wrong way. You know, where's the Eiffel Tower? And then you just have that. OK, stop. Look around. OK, we're here. We don't have yeah. to rush to this location. There's, there's, it's all here. It's right here. It's right where we are. Um, so yeah, I, I like that moment a lot. I have to call out that they say like all the guidebooks say you should set your clocks to the local time, and I'm like, you need to put that in yeah. a guidebook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah, because like the sun and all that's gonna set at different times. <laughs> like, yeah, change, change your time, change your clock. Um. And then, yeah, then we had the scene like we talked about with uh, at the Bing with Tony and Silvio about, you know, Vito has to go. And yeah, this is this is to me between this and then Tony getting roadhead from a stripper behind mm. Carmilla's back. Uh, this is like kind of the, the great return. It's not that Tony Soprano went away. He was still kind of there, but there was maybe going to be some differences there. But no, he's back. Like, there's no, there's not going to be that much difference. You know, you face a near-death experience. You like to think that you're going to come out of it as a different person. But, you know, life brings you back down. You can't just change everything. What, are you going to not work at the Bing anymore? What, are you not going to yeah. be surrounded by strippers all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's just dealing with the stress uh, and the ways he knows um speaking of stress phil uh we get to see phil and his wife and this scene is interesting for a couple of reasons because it kind of makes it seem like phil's wife is the one who actually pushes for this and cares about it and yes. phil doesn't care about it as much which is hilarious because we've just seen his anger for so long and then we see how he's just annoyed by his wife and i also in retrospect i'm like is he asking about the slacks because he knows he's going to have to wear him to the funeral. <laughs> like, <laughs> is that what he's doing? Because <laughs> he's, he's really upset about these slacks, Jim. That's true. I didn't even make that. I didn't make that connection. But I think I think you could be onto something there. Mm. Um, and yeah, because she, what she's talking about, like, uh, like kind of the Bible and these people. And yeah, it, it is. It's it's fun to see him almost indifferent, but just being like nagged enough a little bit where like that's where his anger is coming from. And I guess, I mean, uh, we don't, we, we could get to it a little bit. I mean, he does literally come out of a closet uh, <laughs> in the scene. He does talk about how he's been in the prison for, tw he was in prison for 20 years. Uh, he does mm. like squeeze the bed a little bit. And so in that respect, what she's saying about homosexuals here he's taking that in about himself because I, I, you can assume he definitely partook because even Tony had said in an earlier episode that that's kind of not frowned upon or that's kind of like an, there's an understanding there because you're doing time in the can for so long. So, Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, that's a great point that I didn't think of at all. Uh, but yeah, that's, yeah, well, but you get a free pass, Jim. You get a free pass. Everyone knows that. That's true. There's no yeah. women around. Yeah, you get a prison pass. So it works yeah. out. Well, I guess it's got to be, uh, yeah, when you come out and get talk about how you're, anyone who does this is damned, et cetera, et cetera. That actually makes a lot of sense now that you speak of it. And uh, yeah, speaking of being damned, we moved to a French church. Uh, Carmela sort of watching some children get taught in French and uh, looking up again, loads of statues, like I said, cold stone statues, what have you. Yes. Um, and Ro lights two candles, and we all know who those candles are for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jackie and Jackie Jr. Um, I really like both of their performances throughout these scenes. Um, yeah. Because uh, I, Rosalie's always been great too. I, I can't think of an actress's name offhand. I mean, Edie Falco's Edie Falco's always great. Uh, but I like this push and pull because I mean they're obviously both going through something on this international trip. But Carm wants to really express it, but Ro wants to just have a vacation, and that's why yeah. I love that clip I used at the beginning because Carm's trying to have this thought, this these this discussion on like you know, life going on, even when you're not around and when, when you're dead and stuff. And then she's like, let's take a picture. Like, you know, let's fucking, I mean, all, it all comes ahead in their, their dinner scene. But I, I, I really, I don't know. I, I really liked what, what they have going on here. Yeah. And uh, so then we have Tony getting the roadhead we mentioned. Um, Vito calls him. Now, Tony says to meet him at the mall. Are yeah. they doing a fake out? Are you supposed to think maybe he's going to have a anxiety attack? I because to me it was just always clear he's probably getting blown here. Yeah, but, it was very clear he's getting blown. But the way they shot it, it's like they want us to not get that, but you obviously do get that. So I'm yeah, I, like it's a great question you're asking because it feels like they're trying to trick us, but they're obviously also not going to trick us. So yeah. I, I don't know, Jim. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and I mean it is interesting because it is like. Tony has made the call. Like, they are going to take out Vito. They got Carlo on it to do it. So, like, there there wasn't, like, a question of, like, was Tony still thinking about what they were going to do here? Um, I mean, I know I'm jumping ahead, but uh, it is interesting because where things go, where uh, Phil ends up doing it and what it means for the Soprano, the Soprano family or crew, if you will, because he gets yeah. a call from them real quick and like makes the meeting at the where's it going to be at a diner or they're going to meet somewhere or something and that's kind of where the the uh the the hit was supposed to go down at yeah and speaking of before we move on before we forget lest we forget this one is going up on the counter oh yes show. yeah might as well do oh, that yeah. now uh let's me do it, it. so we're gonna thank 60... you jim that... oh good no, I was just saying the same thing. Brings yeah. us to 65. Okay. Yeah. And I suddenly realized that we're going to get to 69 deaths, and I can't wait to see who gets to get that one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, uh, it's Bobby, right? Bo no, who comes in? Yeah, Bobby comes in and tells them all. And he's got a cool eye patch now, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there anything else you want to say on this scene here? Like, you know, when he just gets jumped and beat and, you know, Phil comes out of the closet and all that good stuff? <laughs> uh yeah that's good stuff um i kind of feel like this was the inevitable end of veto because of how much it's been built up and i guess with that in mind is that's part of why i felt like the way they dealt with his character choices weren't as enlightened or enlightening as they might have been because the obvious end for this character is this. Yeah, so any true. choice they make to end up here, it's like if it has any whiff of sort of like, I've seen this before, or it doesn't, uh, you know, it, it doesn't have that much nuance to it. Like, say, if his gay lover he finds in this idyllic paradise town is more of an archetype than you might expect. Like, there's nothing unexpected about that. It's kind of driven to 11, and it's a paradise town. Like, all these different factors we've talked about the last few episodes um, just the fact that we still end up here, it's like, uh, I wouldn't say it cheapens it necessarily, but it's like, oh yeah, of course we ended up here. Like, what is the difference if we skip over those episodes, if they didn't add that much to it other than just, uh, padding for time? Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I, 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 I do agree that it does seem like maybe there could have been a better way to get there. Like, it does seem like they got Vito 
to this to almost like a salvation type place with this you know idealized town and then they couldn't figure out how to get them out of there i guess i mean the, the main idea is going back to what we've talked about where you know one of david chase's things is how people can't change or you can't escape uh but it does seem like they could have had a better way to do it but then again what would have been better like someone you know, like tracking the last cell phone destination and then finding him or, you know, like, I guess I can't think of a better way to do it. It does just make sense that he's his own worst enemy in a weird way, you know, and he kind of, not that he brings it upon himself, but he he can't figure out a better way to live his life. And, you know, it it spells his demise. Uh, yeah, I think uh, as a concept, I have nothing against any of all of that. And especially with the show we're watching, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like maybe with the way some of those things piled up, like, for example, like he has to... Cr- drink and cry in the car on the drive True. back to new yeah. jersey <laughs> and he crashes into someone and shoots him in the back for and i kind of feel like it is so that we're permitted to feel okay about this uh what happens you know uh and again it, it's not that bad it's just i hold sopranos uh the sopranos to such a high standard that i expect to be like amazed by everything that happens and it just doesn't reach the pinnacle of other things that have been built to for an equal amount of time within the show yeah um but with that said like obviously by the end of the episode we're like oh shit this is significant on other levels too things are going to happen as a result of this like it all still adds up to me i don't think it's bad necessarily but it's also like some of it and and especially when you have scenes like i like the scene with the watch when he's working in that but it's like it feels outside of the Sopranos universe to have that voiceover. Sure. And it just kind of felt, I don't know. Uh, I, again, I, I didn't hate it, uh, but like, this is where we end up. Gets yeah. a pool, pool cue rammed up his rectum. Yeah. And, yeah. I feel uh, like, I feel like that's valid criticism. I do think they, they do salvage it by having it happen at like the halfway point of this episode and not like, you know, typically that's a big climax and it's like tune into the finale next week. But yeah. yeah, they are exploring what it means because, you know, Bobby comes in, gets the news, you know, uh, he was beaten to death. They found a, p- a pool cue rammed up his ass. You know, Chris <laughs> says lovers quarrel, maybe, <laughs> which is <laughs> hilarious. Uh, but I like the reaction because everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, I mean, we wanted this, didn't we? Wait, did we want this? And it's there is this kind of moment of like, huh? But then also compound compounded with the idea of this is in a weird way um even more of a kind of stain on them as a crew and their rep like even more so than just having someone in their crew that was gay because it's like disrespect now because it there wasn't a uh an okay or like approval or whatever it might be. And at the same time, it's the perfect opportunity to do that because if Tony like outwardly fights back, whoa, what is he defending a gay person now? Uh, So it is, it is playing into the whole mafia dynamics, at least how we know it when it comes to made guys and what you're supposed to do. I mean, even going back to like when Ralphie got punched by Tony and that was kind of a big deal. Mm. Well, uh, everyone sort of also looks to Tony to, for his, take on this like how's he gonna play it and he sort of plays it off like i was gonna do this anyway but then to sill he's like this is fucking disrespectful and it's gonna fuck shit up and we need to do something um but i also want to point out that it's interesting how this parallels um uh, tony egg because phil leotardo wanted to kill tony egg oh yeah and of course tony took that death away from him so tony handled something that should have been given to phil leotardo and now phil leotardo takes it back by handling Vito because it's kind of the inverse situation here. And this time, uh, Johnny's not around to sort of set things right. So Phil just kind of does what he sees is his right to do here as he would have done with Tony Egg. And we get to kind of see the consequences of what would have happened if Phil had done it. But, you know, later with this guy. And especially timing wise, because Phil is basically becoming the New York boss yeah, and you know it's it's almost like a slippery slippery slope where 
he gets to get away with one thing and then he gets away with another thing, even going back to Phil and the, the, the vitamins and how that was already putting the writing on the wall that Phil was taking over. Uh, never mind when Johnny did his allocution. So now it's just another little thing and they're going to keep taking it. Um, and then what Patsy makes the comment, like, oh, I wish I borrowed money from him. And then they, we have that other guy stirring the sauce, grins to himself like, ha ah, genius yeah. move. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so uh, Tony, when Tony goes outside, he's like, you know what this is about, right? This isn't about Vito. It's about me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Which is yeah. like he acts with everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's partially right. But yeah, it's also a very narcissist. Tony's narcissism. Um, then he gets a call from Carm and, you know, she's just talking about being in Paris. Oh, it's so great. And Tony is kind of preoccupied with some other things, so. Uh, I, I don't think he's actually interacting the best either. I, I, I don't make any notes on some of his comments, but I kind of remember him not being great either. Like if it well, he asks like, like how the French fries are, yeah, or like the fries, the <laughs> yeah, French that's fries what it was, and, and the French toast, like lots of puns. She's not really in a pun mindset, so yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what? Tony's still kind of thinking about retaliation. And yeah, and maybe t- Tony, don't you don't have to worry too much. Something might happen later on that you, even though you want retaliation that you're not even planning on. Yeah, and he's saying that like he wants to retaliate like somehow with the like hit a warehouse or whatever. Like, and they're not gonna know, but they're kind of gonna know it was us. But no, it's like because he says like when some some guy got hit, that that went on for seven years, and like when when people are dead, they're not earning money or whatever. So. Uh, he doesn't know what to do, but like yeah. you said, it might not be up to him. Yeah, he wants to yeah, hit him in the wallet where it counts. He wants to, you know, get him do it financially, which is smart. Uh, then we have uh, Roe like flirting with a guy. Um, you know, she's again like just another kind of uh, opposite to how Carm's looking at this trip. You know, Rose want Rose living like she's uh taking her. Uh, summer from college, backpacking through Europe, hooking up with Frenchmen, uh, smoking in restaurants. But Carm's like, can we go to the museum now, please? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sort of talks about all the people who've lived there before, looks at a necklace saying, you know, imagine a woman just like us wore this and they had a life and they're looking at these ruins and it's generations after generations it makes you think let's take a picture <laughs> yeah well and uh it kind of reminded me um you and i personally were in a museum mm. in london uh Great doing point. this same stuff admiring yeah, necklaces the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's My- true i think almost word for word we said these things <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah yeah there's some of the clip i played at the at the start of the show and yeah you know, Carm's having this deep moment, and I like that it is tying in with Tony and, mm. you know, who am I, uh, where am I going? And, you know, it's sp- it spreads over into, I mean, not to jump around a bit, but, like, to their scene later on when they're having dinner, and she's still kind of going into it of how, like, you know, it's just kind of like when you die, life goes on, it just keeps going same as how paris things are just going on even though you're not there and but she just wants to push too far because she kind of brings up jackie jr but she brings him up in a way of like like she knows that they killed her son like basically like tony and their way of life and it's this weird like we never talked about it and uh it's such a don't yeah it's such a tough because obviously rosalie knows it too and and this scene like really like moved me emotionally like like the way she Mm. plays it because what a way do you have to live your life where you kind of do know that your friends and family were involved with the death of your son i mean given he kind of did bring it upon himself given your way of life but he was still just a kid but you still have to like smile and laugh and that's your life and Carmen just a, I mean, I guess she's feeling the, the international, like, who am I? We're just, we're just waves in the ocean at this point. What does it all matter? Let's talk about how we killed your son and maybe you'll <laughs> forgive me for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I see exactly what you mean. I feel that as well. Yeah. Uh, she kind of tries to bring all that up and, 
But yeah, they're not in the same mindset, let's be honest. And I think that also is reflected later when she has the dream with Adriana. Yes. Because that's the same thing, but yep. different. Same, same, but different, which is what happens in your dreams. You sort of pull up something and there's a parallel. Um, and it's sort of not exactly connected, but like when there was this thing about the building inspector uh, and that, and, and Tony asks, like, how far do you want this to go? And she's kind of got one foot in one world and one in another. And in France, there's all these people and none of them are murderers. And I could be like here and like not be associated with murderers. Yeah. Oh, so weird. Yeah, it's yeah. a great use of the Adriana um, cameo. And yeah, it does tie in for sure with that uh, opening dream where like Carm knows all these things, but she doesn't know them. It's I guess like what yeah. Tony was just talking about. They know, but they don't know. Uh, and, you know, I, now that she's she's having what, you know, people have when they travel to new places, whether it be internationally or just even if you're here in the States, just a new state, just a place you've never been before. And you kind of start thinking about how big the world is, maybe how small you are, but not in a bad way, just in kind of like a, wow, existence. But to her, she also has to face some of these thoughts in the back of her head of these mm. friends that are now dead because they didn't quite play mafia games properly. Uh, yep. And, you know, Sopranos, I've always kind of, I know we've gone back and forth on dream sequences, but I kind of like how they use them, and I think this is a good use here. And she's got Cosette as well, because as we know, uh, Christopher sat on her and killed Cosette, <laughs> but she's finally with her. Uh, yeah. And I think what the guard or someone's like, hey, someone tell that lady she's dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great dream sequence as well. Short. It's one of my yeah. favorite types. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so we have Phil Leotardo sitting around with uh, Vito's uh, wife and his sister, I guess. They're all talking about, yeah, I love them like a brother-in-law. Don't worry, I'll I'll arrange the funeral. And, you know, Vito on some level probably knows it's better for the kids not to have that role model. And turn yeah. off that TV. Yeah, I used to get mad because <laughs> there are muscular men on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a, a dash of comedy where i didn't expect it i guess but yeah there you go uh yeah and we i mean we get to see a little bit more of phil's wife and she's still kind of playing up her part um in all this and yeah well, yeah he does it is interesting how he says i loved him like a brother-in-law like <laughs> what does yeah. that even mean <laughs> like, like that yeah. kind of means like you didn't really like him at all <laughs> <laughs> I loved him like yeah. some guy I was forced to interact with, you know. <laughs> um, so we have oh, Tony. And, we actually skipped over a scene with AJ, or what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, and also because I forgot, because she breaks down like our tailor's going blind, and I guess wasn't she? She was oh, talking yeah. about the tailor in their earlier scene, right? When they're talking about the slacks, she was, yeah. But and it's just so funny that they're so like. I don't know, concerned about this guy. But care anyway. more about the tailor yeah. and yeah. the slacks. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course they do. Um, but yeah, speaking of someone who doesn't have any clothes, AJ earlier oh. was in his underwear giggling in a chat room. And I think we can all relate to this. We've all been this person, right? Yes. I mean, we're basically giggling in our, uh, well, we wear clothes <laughs> for this, but you don't know if I have anything on my bottom half. It's a video uh, podcast. The webcam doesn't go that far down. So who knows? But anyway, we've all been this guy, right? Yes, because it's just he's looking at a screen laughing and you don't like, but I get his point of view because, yeah, you could be like someone saying <laughs> the funniest stuff in that chat or whatever it might be. And but Tony's reaction is fucking so perfect because he's so disgusted. Yes. Like he he really like hates him at this point. He really hates this kid. I mean he does say when he's with Melfi, like, I hate my son. He's kicking like a schoolgirl and I want to smash his face in. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the thing, because he uh she's trying to talk and uh like he brings that up like about how he's wasting his time going back and forth with some other jerk off, which I feel is I'm I'm disappointed you didn't pick it for the intro of this episode, but ah, it should be the intro for every episode we do because we're just a couple of fucking jerk offs yeah. going back and forth, giggling like schoolgirls. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, he wanted to smash his fucking face in, and he talks about how I think he like like Carmilla protected him, protected AJ in the way that he wishes that his father protect or his that Livia protected him from his father and all this stuff. So there's that conflict because earlier in the episode, he just wants to sleep. And now he has to actually think about it because Carmilla's not there to absorb it all. So yeah. he's just kind of like, I want 
him to be like a real man like me, but I don't want him to be like me because I hate me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, because he brings up, you know, my father would be laughing that this is the son I have. But I mean, I've said it many times and I fully believe it is that, you know, AJ is Tony and uh, yeah, it's it, and it all does come together with Melfi where she's like, yeah, you know, you're blaming Carmilla for you know keeping him from well from protecting him from you being like your dad and like you know smashing his face in when you think he didn't do something correctly and that's what your mother didn't do for you and like you'd mentioned in the last episode it does feel like we're getting a little bit more substance uh and breakdown in in some of these melfi scenes even though it doesn't always kind of get into tony's head but at least it does feel like they're they are breaking a little bit of ground here Yep. Yep. Um, so we have the dinner scene in Paris where everything kind of comes to a head a little bit, like we already kind of went over. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll skip directly to the next scene where this character, uh, fat something or other, they're all fat something or other, aren't oh, it's they? It's like Fat Dom um, or something, I think. Fat Dom. Uh, <laughs> so he comes in and he's talking shit, right? And uh, they stab him. They <laughs> kill him and they bash him and they stab him. So they... <laughs> There you go. I oh didn't yeah, expect actually, that. you know what? Yeah, we do got to throw him up on the old uh, on the old counter. Of course we do. Gotcha, Malanga. Number sixty-six. He just keeps going. Like he could have got one or two cracks in, but he has to ask about like, was it chalk the pool cue? And uh, like, yeah. oh, was your lipstick on a napkin? No, wait, it was on his cock. <laughs> yeah, it's not even good cracks. So uh, Silvio does actually hit him first. I, there's a lot of yelling involved. I think Silvio just wants to beat him up but carlos stabs him maybe or I, i'm not sure <laughs> yeah yeah it it i mean again it's like you know hey we could talk about our family but you don't do that or also like don't push it and him making those cracks is kind of basically disrespecting them in general like saying like oh, i yeah. can come into your place and do this because now we're with phil and you guys are a joke and, you know, he learned real quick because, yeah, he gets cracked in the back of the head and stabbed a bunch of times. Uh, yeah. Take that, motherfucker. And it's great because it's like, it does feel like, yeah, they're they're making dinner. Like, it seems like people are on their way or something. I guess Tony was on his way. I don't know if he was supposed to have dinner with them or what. But they're just, they have to hang out and wait for it to get dark out. So there's playing cards with the dead body chilling. Yep. Uh, and then Tony shows up and Sylvia's like, Tony, get back in your car. <laughs> you don't want to see this. Yeah, you don't want to be um, here. Yeah. Uh, Tony's uh, Oh well, Tony's rightly annoyed. It is. They okay. do have the hilarious, like, you know, hey, should we just chop them up here? And it's like, uh, yeah. no more of that. <laughs> DNA. DNA. <laughs> Yeah, Tony just kind of leaves, gets in the car. We get to see it's uh, still the same driver guy, the one he beat up like ages ago uh, is his driver. Yeah. Um, seems to have recovered well, so that's all good. But uh, I wonder if this is like, because, yeah, he's in the car, and that's when he calls um, to sort of set up the thing for AJ. So I guess everything piling up, and uh, you got to love it when things come together, because I think seeing someone dead for no reason is a great way for him to go, no, actually, I don't want AJ to be like me because he's going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. He's going to be like Fat Dom, and he's going to die. Um, so he comes home and takes AJ into the garage and has a fucking great scene with him there. Well, yeah, because AJ is just sitting there with his dipshit friend and some girl, and they make like the, you know, it's supposed to be the roller. I've heard this joke, but as a roll, how do you tell your parents that you like rollerblading or oh no what's like the worst part of like rollerblading or something telling your parents you're gay but they make it about skateboarding which uh come on skateboarding is cool um but yeah. it also is it's a perfect scene like to to go back to a tony being disgusted with him on the computer it's also another scene i could see him just being disgusted they're sitting there they got like shit all over the table and they're playing video games just wasting the time away and yeah, he pulls him in the garage, starts telling him about this construction job he got him, and he's you know really laying down the law. AJ is trying to play his AJ game, where mm -hmm. he's just like, "Look, I just think it'd be better if I'm I'm looking every day. I'm looking for jobs." And Tony, you know, shows him shit's real. He's gonna get either get rid of that car, then he's gonna get rid of his clothes, and he's gonna throw him out in the fucking street. And he smashes the windshield in with a football helmet. <laughs> 
Yeah, and weirdly, it's like one of the best parenting scenes from Tony. Yeah. Because AJ needs this, and when Tony says, like, you're my son and I love you, it doesn't feel like he's saying that, like, oh, I love you, but goddammit. He's, like, genuinely like, no, look, I, I love you, and that doesn't seem like something that would be easy for him to say at all. Yeah. <laughs> but he manages it, and I think it's true, and I don't think he could have done it without Melfi's help, so way, yay, go therapy. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, that... he finds a balance because he's still yeah. kind of being, like, what probably what his dad would be, and he's he's still kind of maybe being angry and violent is but i guess it is it's it works so it is some aj does need something because he is spoiled uh and there there aren't ever like uh repercussions for what he does so he does have to show him that shit's real now yeah i mean he's he tried to stab junior i don't remember there being many repercussions except like he yelled at him uh slammed him against the car um but yeah it's a great balance and like in such contrast to Tony in the bathrobe, he just happens to be wearing this suit as well, which adds to his argument weirdly. Oh, yeah. um, it's just a, a really good scene, I think, and talking about how he's going to go to construction. And uh, you know what? It's a good paying union job, and we're not going to charge you rent or nothing, but like you're going to go where I'm taking the car away and everything else. And uh, yeah, I don't know that this is going to be a turning point for AJ because his habits are deeply ingrained. Uh, but maybe he'll have enough for those bottles of Cristal. Yeah, at least for the short term, it's working. You know, he's and like Tony says, they're not going to charge him rent or anything. You keep what you pay, but you gotta you gotta work. Uh, then we had the scene we already talked about. It was uh, Carm's dream where she sees uh, Adriana and and Cosette. Now this is in Paris as well. Yeah, it's right. Now, yeah. I do imagine when you write stuff like this, like even though I think it does make sense and it works, there has to be an element of like, fuck yeah, we get to go to Paris. Like, let's write Paris in there because then we get to go. Like even so, you know, Drea De Matteo got to go to Paris to shoot this one scene. Good for her. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, I, I even felt earlier when they, when they were in the taxi, I almost, I didn't know it was going to be so important to the episode. So I thought it might just be like, green screen outside the window like they're yeah. gonna be in the cab then in a hotel or whatever but they're obviously in paris and i i remembered that one scene from seasons and seasons ago when they're by saint stephen's green in dublin and i'm like i live in dublin <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but they're just in a hotel room they're clearly not there yeah and here they're so clearly there so uh yeah it's definitely a thing and they they definitely use it for all it's worth they use the vistas and the the you know uh trees and yeah. all of it and uh, again they they fit in another dreamy scene where they're leaving the hotel and Carmela's kind of looking around looking up at uh yeah another stone uh, like what's what's with all the statues jim like there i know you might not be on this part of the book yet but i swear there's something about these statues in the soprano sessions i guess yeah i mean i i didn't read this chapter but i guess it would be like dead people right it's kind of like yeah you know it's cuz it's just it's a frozen person in a way and it and it i mean it does represent history and you are thinking about like you know this is x amount of years old and all the people that have lived here so uh i mean most things in sopranos are about death so it's not quite a leap for me to say that but i think that's yeah. for sure an element uh yeah that's okay. definitely part of it i feel like there's something more to it that i can't yeah. quite grasp so do feel free to email us at shows what you know show yes. gmail.com if you have thoughts on the statues um, but yeah, I feel like the, the rest of the episode kind of has a similarly semi-dreamy vibe, even though we're out of the dream, because we just have them coming home. We have um, we have Vito's kids reading the newspapers, finding out he's not a spy, and you know AJ waking up, Carmilla doing laundry, and like the photography guy at the end with the Thin Club. Yeah. That's those are a bunch of short scenes in succession there. Do you have thoughts on any of them? Well, to back up a little bit, we do have a quick scene of just Phil staring at the ceiling, almost like a statue, I guess. He's not really moving, uh, just in mm. bed with his wife sleeping. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, yeah, it's very kind of dreamlike. She kind of gets this last moment as they're leaving, uh, but she kind of like wanders a little bit kind of around around the street, kind of taking it all in. And... Um, yeah, statue. I'm just skimming through here as well. Well, I do like that there's this, you know, she comes home to Tony, and it's not like a bad thing. Like, not, not that there's anything bad yeah. there. It's just kind of like, oh, how's your trip? You know, it's great to be back. It's amazing. 
but I like the intercut with, you know, Rosalie has like a sweet moment with, I guess, her mom. And, you know, she's kind of happy to be back. It is pretty heartbreaking to see those poor kids reading about their father who was fucking bludgeoned and beaten to death. And I mean, uh, essentially a hate crime. And, you know, also dealing with just recently seeing him and having him told that he's a spy. I guess you could almost still like if I was a young kid, I'd be like, oh, well, that's what they do to spies. Fuck. That's mm-hmm. like that's part of the dangers of yeah. uh of you know being a spy i don't really know what to read with the photographer thing i mean i guess it's just kind of like i'll remember him i don't know like i I knew this guy and it's like i cut back to like the premiere when we did see Vito finally with his big weight loss but i don't really know what to read it does make a great last shot because sopranos is always very good with the cuts or fades to black um you know happy Vito. Uh, who yeah. you know just met his uh, untimely demise? Yeah, I think it's a great um, last shot too. Even if I'm like th- these last scenes kind of blend together a little bit for me. Like you know, like I said, a bit of a dreamy vibe. And Carmela's back, and usually she'd come back, and it would be like, oh, real life shit. That's genuinely what happens after most uh, times you go away. Um, but she seems okay with it. Just talks about the jet lag and does some laundry. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait and see how this impacts her in the long run or if it does even at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're almost done with this part of the season. It feels like uh, uh, it's going to escalate from here. That's uh, my guess. Uh, and I guess we'll have to wait and see if uh, The Sopranos delivers a massive gang war or what. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, some they like to build that up and then go like, nah, we're yeah. going to do an episode about something totally different. So I look forward to seeing what's in the last episode of this season next week or this part of the season. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, as we had mentioned, you can send your thoughts uh, or, you know, whether it be agreement, disagreement or stuff we missed to shows, what you know, show at gmail.com. Uh, of course it shows what you know.com. You can find our other discussions, uh, including our show called blank meets blank where uh you know, we get the tables turned on us. We like to critique other people's TV shows. We make our own. We pull things out of a hat, show how easy it is to be done. Uh, so you can find that there. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. And if there's... Um, oh, also review the show, please. Review the shows <laughs> that you know feed and also review the Sopranos feed, uh, the Cut to Black feed. Uh, greatly helps us. Much appreciated. Very much appreciated, yes. And before we wrap up, I think we have just one more thing, Jim. Oh, what's that? Cut to black. <laughs>